The following message is presented by First Baptist Church in Manny, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmany.org. Now the message. We're going to be in Titus chapter 2 today. I skipped on to chapter 2 because it's um, a very practical text of Scripture, probably, probably the most pragmatic text in the New Testament of uh, some very clear instructions on what believers are to do to uh, really flourish, to be witnesses, to uh, thrive in the life that God has given us and become the kind of people He wants us to be. So it's good for us. Now, I, I do have this, uh, I'm aware of, there are certain eras in which you, if you were to grow up in a certain era, you have a bent toward a particular way of thinking and seeing things in the world. You may be uh, more high-tech and... and uh, and very on the cutting edge and very social media savvy if you're a very, if you're a, say a, a, a young adult or even a, 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 a child could even be more uh, adept to that. And the generation that I come from, we're considered pragmatists. We want to know how things work. We like how things work. We want to make things most efficient and, uh, under, and understand what we need to do and just do it. So that's what this, why this particular scripture jumps out to me so well. I have a, uh, an employee that, a uh, brand new employee just started this week on one of our campuses, and uh, he had a problem with some uh, some mechanical things in the building and some wood things that are happening, and he called one of the older directors and he said to him, uh, uh, what, what do you think I need to do about this? The estimate for this fix is $5,000. Now, that's a lot of money to fix something, you, you, so you know it's probably not a little problem. It's a, it's a fairly significant problem. This guy that he called said, I know Mark well, and it would be better for you to try to fix it yourself once you get some instructions, get some advice, and uh, find out what it would cost and how you could do it. Maybe ask him to come over and fix it because it would, uh, it would mean a lot that you tried to fix this before you spent $5,000 fixing this. Well, I, um, I called the guy. He called and told me all about it. And I was really was proud that he was working through this really young uh, campus minister working through these things on his own, trying to figure it out. And he, um, I, I called him and said, man, the problem you're working on, by the way, it was mold. Mold in, on some walls. Uh, this problem you got, yes, we could fix it. I'm not sure we should fix it. Why don't you call somebody who knows what they're, they're doing and ask their advice and get this fixed right and get that stamp of approval, this has been done right, because you're dealing with people's health in this particular issue. But it was good for him to ask advice of what to do and how to take care of uh, some business that he just didn't know everything about. That's what's happening in Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, Paul is speaking with Titus, who he had left on the island of Crete. Crete uh, is out in the middle of the the ocean there, and uh, they were doing an evangelistic missionary journey. They stopped off in Crete, and if you know anything about that particular group of people, uh, they are barbarians. They are Cretans. They are people who who have lived uh, lives very uh, free from society and and the proper way of living and acting and behaving and uh, doing things and believing. And he's sharing the gospel with these people, and they have been... Uh, there's been revival on the island. People were getting saved all over. So Paul said to Titus, this is back in chapter 1, and I can do this, do this part without going back and reading this and from memory. It's chapter 1. He sets up the leaders of the church. 
So every little community that he passes through, he sets up a group, uh, there's a church meeting, and he calls out, he raises up a leader that's going to be a teacher among those people. Gives them instructions on how they should live and what kind of people they should be. And he gets that taken care of. And then on into chapter 2, he gets very, very practical on the way to live. So I'm going to read that from NIV first. <clears throat> By the way, I had a technical crisis in my home this morning. Uh, usually I print this thing out, this sermon out on Saturday. Uh, I spent all day in the classroom uh, decorating a, a, a second grade classroom yesterday for my daughter, and I had no energy when I went, got home. So uh, I went to bed before everybody else, got up this morning to print, and guess what? We're out of ink. So I uh, got out of ink, and I find out, one got the ink. Well, before that, I found out somebody had taken the printer and put it upstairs in another part of the house, which the printer in my house may be like your tools in your house. It don't touch my printer. Don't even load the paper in it. I'm the one loads the paper. Well, they loaded the bad paper in it, and it, uh, it wadded up on the inside. Uh, my daughter comes up and says, I work on printers every day. I can take care of this. Uh, she tries to fix it, and... It still didn't print. So uh, we get the manual out to fix it, and before you know it, it's time to leave. So we didn't get to print, so I'm preaching from a phone today instead of from uh, that, the printout, which the whole reason that we uh, I've chosen to preach from paper is because the eyesight's become a 50-plus eyesight, uh, and I don't have, and the magnifiers, you know, they've got to be pretty good to make this happen. But we'll, we'll, we'll get through it. The Lord, He's capable. Verse 1, chapter 2. You, however, must teach what is appropriate for sound doctrine. Teach what is appropriate for sound doctrine. He's saying to them, lay a foundation. Now, this, this particular passage is about the doing more than the knowing and understanding. But in order to do what is right, he's saying you've got to lay the foundation of what doctrine is. Doctrine for us as evangelicals, as people who know the Bible, believe the Bible, trust God, have Jesus Christ in our in our heart, and live for Him daily, we are people that live by a doctrine. That doctrine is that the Bible is trustworthy. We know that's true. We know that Jesus is the Son of God. We know we have the Holy Spirit working in us as, as believers, as born-again Christians. We know that the Father is in, in control of all things, knows all things, is all-powerful, can do all things. We have those kind, of, those kind of understandings, and that's doctrine. And out of that doctrine comes ways of living and believing, we know that worship is a very important part of our life. That's part of our doctrine. Sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ is an important part of our doctrine. Living surrendered to Christ is an important part of our doctrine. What you heard over here was very clear saying that we are to be people that trust Jesus with all of our lives. Y'all believe that's true? So Paul's saying, we're not going to separate you from the foundation of the truth of, God, of doctrine. You've got to do that first. You teach these men, these women, that you've called out to lead in this church. Teach them to build their lives on the foundation that is of Christ. Not too long ago, I bought some uh, particular kind of soil as a base for my uh, camper and boat pad. Now, you, some of you have done this kind of stuff before, and uh, I was talked into doing this, and I went ahead and did it, uh, bought this stuff. It's ash from uh, a, a coal plant. You take the ash, you set it out there, and every day that I talked to them, they said, you better get it where you want it. 
before you uh, before it gets wet, because this stuff turns to concrete before you know it. So I got it out there, got it set up, and I begin. It's a panic for me to work on this, and uh, I'm out there shoveling this what looks like white, very powdery beach sand, but it's an ash. So as I shovel it, get it into place, and it starts to rain, and I think oh, it's going to be terrible. And uh, I finally get it smooth enough out that it looks pretty good out there. It's not not too bad. But when it rained a few times, he was right. There's no changing it. It's set up. Now, these believers on this island are set up in their behavior and how they act. You can imagine someone that's uh, been around for a while. Maybe they're 40, 50, 60, 70 plus years old. They've lived a life that's... Uh, that's been through one set of believing, one, one doctrine, a uh, lifestyle, and they get what we call set in their what? Ways. Set in their ways. Anybody want to raise your hand if you're set in your ways? I'm going to admit it. I'm set in my ways. I got some things I don't want you to mess with. I like certain things certain ways. And there are people that always want to tell you that your way is the wrong way. That you could do it just a little bit better. You could open up your uh, phone right now to some some app, say say to Facebook, and watch a video or two, and there's going to be somebody on there to tell you how to slice a watermelon better than you know how to slice a watermelon. Uh, you, by the way, you can make popsicles out of them by well, I don't want to get into that today. You can learn new things, but there's somebody want to tell you how, what the new things is all the time. Here's Titus. Uh, raised up by God, a young man teaching older men how they are to behave, how there's an act, how there's some, this new way of believing, of following Jesus, requires a new ethic and way of living. So we're going to have to break up the set in ways. Not so easy to do that. If that were, by the way, this ash stuff, it does break up when you work on it pretty hard. Nothing like concrete when it really gets set. Verse 2. Teach older men. We're going to deal with the men first. Ladies, are you, are you happy about that? Paul jumps right on it and says, men, get it right. Men, straighten up. Teach the older men to be temperate. This word temperate is this a self-controlled, a not too extremes, not too high, not too low, not too angry, not too silly. Not, it means be under control. Now, the men I know in this group here, you're all pretty temperate. You're under control. You got it, got it the way it's supposed to be. I guess you're, if you uh, know engines, the way a lot more engines work, your governor is working in, on your engine right now. It's not, uh, you're not going to get too revved up too high. You're going to do what's right all the time. These people, if they, they're the kind of people that if they were get mad at a stoplight, they might jump out of the car and beat on the windshield of their neighbor. Yeah, these men need to be taught to get it under control. Be temperate, worthy of respect, be a respectable man, self-controlled and of sound in faith, in love and endurance. Be men that are stable, that are trustworthy, that can be relied on, that can be depended on, that are examples to the world of what a man surrendered to Christ is supposed to be. Now, you may get sideways every now and then. You may mess up from time to time. But uh, th there is a provision by God to allow you to work through that and get unset in your ways and get right again. Work of the Holy Spirit in your life. 
yielding to him and Jesus shaping your heart and your mind and cause you to be able to live the way you should live. Verse 3. Likewise, teach older women to be reverent in the way they live. Reverent in your speech, reverent in the way you act, the way you're... Uh, the way you comport yourself in public, reverent in your attitude. Reverent in the way you live. Not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine. This culture was uh, the Roman culture and Greek culture. Women, as they um, grew older and more, uh, probably just putting up with old men might be why they did this. They drank more and more wine. And they would get to the point that they would drink so much this wine that they couldn't control it and they would not be in control of their faculties. So he was teaching them to be more controlled in their life, in their drinking. Not addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. So what you're teaching other folks needs to be of the Lord. Verse 4, then they can urge younger women to love their husbands and children. Now, I like how this, um, this lays out the order. Older men, older women, but instead of saying to these men, we had this discussion on Wednesday night about a month ago, uh, women are to be the, the teachers of younger women. Now, it would not be appropriate. I, I have rules uh, in my way I comport myself as a minister. I do not spend the extended amount of time in counseling or conferencing with a lady. That I, now, if it's something that needs to be worked through, it's some sort of counseling situation, maybe premarital counseling, it's always with uh, the future husband or it's with someone else uh, in advising with us. That's just an appropriate way to, to behave in counseling and ministry. This passage is saying to the women, it's your responsibility to help these young ladies. Help them. Women's conferences are... Um, very popular right now in the church. There's one happening, I believe it's next week in Alexandria, that thousands of women will show up to be in a women's conference led by a lady that's a spectacular teacher leader, and uh, they, they'll go off and have dinner together. They'll stay at hotels together uh, around the city and, and, and spend time chatting, and older women and, and younger women will encourage each other and strengthen each other in the faith. It is the way we are to behave in the faith, to instruct each other. They are to love their, you know, one passage says their own. Does anyone have written in their, their uh, version of the Bible, own their own husband? Anybody got that? Yeah, well, I believe that might be in the NIV. It's uh, possibly in the ESV. It's, I'm preaching out the Holman Standard right now. That, that is saying that this, this submission to your husband, that's the word that's used also in one of the versions, is a home issue. It's not laying out a way for the culture to live. It's, way, it's the way that that home should be living. So we got a, a CEO of, uh, of NBC TV, happens to be a female, happens to be a lady, that's, that, that's not, there's nothing wrong with that. That's good. That's a thing. The, this submission is in the home. Now, that's, there are going to be folks have trouble with that, by the way, that, uh, that wives should not submit themselves to the husband. But I want to tell you, if you've read Scripture, it is taught that's the, that is the way the home is to be set up. Did I lose any votes today? That's a touchy one. If I'd have remembered, I might have picked another passage. 
Just kidding. Verse 5, to be self-controlled. These young ladies to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. It's a very clear, good way of living to honor God life in this passage. Then 6, similarly encourage the young men to be self-controlled. And that's that's you could probably preach all day. I made a living out of that verse. I spent my whole life working with college students and with college boys, teaching them how to act right and to be in control and to to live right and how to treat ladies right. And uh, you know, Bill Collins is down the road um, at Natchitoches for Northwestern. He uh, has a Bible study he teaches every year. It's basically ten ways to be a good young man. And one of those principles is how to treat a young lady. And he goes out, it's, it's a whole hour Bible study of how to treat young ladies. Would you want your son to go through that? Would you want your daughter to be married to a boy that went through that? Who's been given instruction, given instruction how to live. In everything, verse 7, set them an example by doing what is good in your teaching show integrity seriousness and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us you say titus act right yourself act right yourself be a man of integrity don't talk out both sides of your mouth don't uh live a substandard life, live a life that honors Christ. And Titus, as you do that, and as you lead these men, and as those men lead those young boys, and those ladies lead those young ladies, God will be honored, and people will turn to Jesus because of the manifestation of them, of those folks living out an obedient life to Christ. I've, uh, I listened to one preacher this week talk about Similar but different subject. And um, they were talking about worship and how people are just ate up with everything's got to be perfect or people aren't going to come to church. Building's got to look right. Music's got to sound right. People on the stage got to dress right. Uh, you got to flow just right in the service. If you don't flow just right in the service, people aren't going to come. And that's not what they said. They said that the number one reason for people not coming to church is the lack of integrity among the leaders in churches. People living compromised lives that are leading out. Titus, live right. Titus, live right. Live an obedient life of integrity. People will see Jesus, and when they see Jesus, they'll gather together, they'll come to know him, and you won't be having to have a dog and pony show to have church. Church will be about the Lord and not about, not about the methods. Then he gets into t- verse 9. Verse 9 is uh, speaking to slaves. And, it, and by the way, I've heard this applied to employees as well. It's, uh, he's speaking to the people of the day that work for other people. Teach slaves to be subject to their masters and everything and to try to please them, not talk back to them and not steal from them. Uh, but show that they can be fully trusted so that in every way they will make 
the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive. Just be a good worker. Be a good worker. Do a good job. Honor your place of employment. When my kids were growing up, I, I gave every one of them a business of some kind when they were in junior high. Um, the boys got gumball machines. And they, they had gumball machines in restaurants. And they would have to work that and they, because I wanted them working. And as soon as they could mow, they were mowing yards. Now they didn't, it's not like they needed the money, but they did need the work. They needed to do what was, what was going to train them to be disciplined. Same thing with my daughter, same kind of situation. We found things for her to do that gave her discipline. And that discipline became a habit and became uh, not only a habit, but a desire to just do the right thing. And that has showed to help them through difficult times in life and help them thrive. I said to them often, because as an employer I've seen this, you show up for work on time and you act right and don't steal from your boss, you will always have a job. Because there's just not that many people like that out there. A lot of people don't know that show up on time, don't stay on your phone the whole time you're at work. By the way, that's stealing. You're on the phone, looking at your social media, not working, that's stealing. Don't do that stuff, and you will thrive in life. Titus is being taught that to teach those folks on, that are slaves on that island. Verse 11. You don't have to do this alone, by the way. You don't have to do any of this in your, in your power. It's the power of Christ in you to allow you to be this kind of person. And he's showing you, we're going to be very clear about it in verse 11, where this comes from. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It's the grace of God in our life that gives us anything. Verse 12, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. The grace of God is going to teach you how to grow out of, how to unset your concrete, how to get to the point in life where those things that were, that were ungodly, are gone and the new things have come. And that comes from the grace of God in your life. It comes from Him convicting you. As you start doing something wrong, stop doing that. As you think about something, think about something else. And you'll find that the grace of God controls you. If you had something in your heritage that you're the kind of person that uh, your, your, your daddy and his daddy and the one before him uh, never passed up the opportunity for a fight. Enjoyed a good fight. Enjoyed a good scrap of some kind. And it's been passed on to you. I want to tell you that the grace of God can take that away from you. He can, take, he can reset your concrete and make you a new person. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness, verse 12, and worldly passions, those things that, uh, that make you want something that you should not have. It will teach you to say no to that and to live self-controlled and upright, right in his eyes, and godly lives in this present age. That's some good hope, isn't it? That's some good, good instruction from Paul and good hope in Jesus. Now, where does that take us uh, today is that, well, you got a generation of people right here that came up here that are 
sitting around the room, that come to vacation Bible school, that go to Sunday school, that you know in your life, your children, your grandchildren. You've got people coming up behind you that you can pass on godly wisdom to. Wisdom that will help them live to honor God. Wisdom that will help them to live in the grace of God. You yourself, if you're so sad in some way that is is causing you to be at odds with the Father, to not be a witness to others, He can change it in you. I've seen uh, older folks that they've had lifetimes of bad language. Same words they should not say. Slipping, mashing a finger, or someone cut them off in traffic, or someone takes something like their printer out of their office, or something like that, happen to say things they should not say. They say it often. And then they see Jesus, they come to know Him, He takes control of their life, the Holy Spirit allows them and helps them to say no, and their mouths are sealed up like that lion in the den with Daniel, and they don't say those words anymore. He can change you, no matter what the age. You just have to trust Him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for um, your word so clear, your instructions so profound, so simple at the same time. And Father, your provision, the Holy Spirit, so powerful. How you speak in our hearts and minds and change us to be like you. And Father, I pray that us, we, the people in this room right now, that today and tomorrow, the rest of this week, we honor you in such a way that people are drawn to you. People want to know you. The preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Manny, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about the church, including contact information, go to the website www.fbcmany.org. Thank you for listening and may God bless you.